I think you need to create a super transparent culture where people feel safe that they are like, hey, I'm not happy. Can you help me find something else? And I might actually help them find another job. It's naive to think that everyone would be here forever. So I think the culture and the transparency is super key. Uh, but also being open from an employer perspective to bet on potential, exactly as you say. And potential is, doesn't mean that you're junior. I think you could hire a super experienced person, but still bet on potential and grit instead of just experience. Welcome to How We Hire, a podcast by Alva Labs. With me, Linnea, licensed psychologist and head of people. This show is for all of you who hire or just find recruitment interesting. In every episode, I will speak with thought leaders from across the globe to learn from their experiences and best practices within hiring, building teams, and growing organizations. Our guest on today's episode is Arif Abedi, the CEO and co-founder of Jobilong, a modern recruitment platform with a unique focus on candidate experience and effective job ads. Arif's mission is to simplify hiring through trust and technology. With his extensive experience within the recruitment industry, Arif has a deep understanding of the challenges that employers face while hiring the right candidates. As he says himself, he loved taking an idea and transforming it to beautiful and sellable products. So welcome to How We Hire, Arif. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So much fun. And before we jump into today's like topic and questions, can't you just start off with telling us a little bit about yourself, about Jobalong, for those who don't know you or don't know Jobalong? Yes. So my name is Arif. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Jobalong. I've been doing this for... 12 years, which sounds long when you say it out loud, but it's been a roller coaster of a journey. We've been doing so many things and iterations. It's always been within HR tech. What we do today is an applicant tracking system, or we prefer to call it a talent acquisition platform, primarily for the kind of enterprise segment with a heavy focus on uh, Europe. Prior to Jobalon, I used to have a career in sales in a SaaS company, and I've also been part of co-founding two other tech startups in the early years. So you're one of the cool tech founder personas. It sounds cool when you say it like I did, but it's probably not as cool in practice. I mean, now when people are listening, they won't see you, but I can tell that you also have the tech founder um, official outfit with like... Oh, I do? What's that? Shirt and the vest. Oh, okay. I thought that was like the investor thing and I'm not an investor. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I think it's maybe it's spilled over then. <laughs> awesome. All right. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I mean, before we, we started recording, we chatted a little bit about people and the people culture journey and how that is like a topic close to heart. Can't you just introduce you to, or let us into your brain when it comes to people and culture journeys? Yeah, sure. I mean, Sounds like a cliche in a way, but you know, again, we've been doing this for 12 years. We failed so many times and we've done so many things wrong. And I, I remember in the early days, I always got, got the question like, you know, why are you still doing this? Why are you not joining something else? And kind of like from friends or, or other people outside uh, the company, my answer was always, uh, I'm happy. And it took me a while to understand what that means. And that has kind of become our culture. We talk a lot about happiness in, in job long and, you know, we realized after a while, that it's all about the people. The product will change and it has changed and I'm sure it will change again and you will fail. But the kind of constant is the team you're working with and the culture. I, you know, Sometimes I'm joking about it, but you know, we could start up a coffee shop tomorrow and I'm sure it will be super successful because you have a team 
that's just willing to do everything together. So that's what really inspires me. That's what makes me want to come to work or jump online or whatever it is. And I can do this for 10 more years as long as I feel what I feel today. So that's how I would kind of summarize that. And I mean, I think we're going to have that as an like overarching theme for our discussion, but obviously from the angle of, of hiring and recruitment. And just to start us up, like how has this focus on like people and culture impacted like Jobilon as a company, but also as a product, I guess? I mean, I think it's also to the people and the team we have. I think every initiative we run in the company, if we talk as of Jobilon as an employer, that's a direct result of dialogue with the team. Every quirky thing we do or every perk we have or when we rolled out pension, doesn't matter what it is. It's all a result of discussing and talking with the team. I think this kind of also went into our product and our methodology. So for us, like customer success and customer satisfaction is everything. And I think it's a, it's kind of hand in hand. Those, everything goes, goes aligned. If you ask me, I, I'd rather be vendor that's known for their partnership, their proactive way of working, their customer service, not that they have an ATS in that sense. And I think that that's core to our culture in that sense, if that makes sense. Mm, it does. So I guess, like, depending on what culture you have, that will also impact how you, you know, what strategy you go after, how you plan your work, like ways of working, and that like then feeds into everything. And I think, I mean, isn't that also what just employer branding is all about? Is like getting that message across and both in the sense of making it attractive so you can attract talent, but also to make it like honest so that you set the right expectations. Absolutely. I mean, I think like we also have a super long-term view in this journey. I, I truly believe that most of the, the, you know, the team members and the colleagues have the same way. We're not, we're not looking at it as let's build something and then sell it. And then we do this, the other thing. We've been doing this again for 10 plus years more than happy to do it for 10 plus years uh, so it's like a journey that never ends and then you have exciting milestones along the way and i think everyone wants to feel every single human being i think wants to feel relevant and they want to have impact in whatever they do and i think that's the culture we really try and create in whatever we do and i think it's easy to talk about it it's much harder to to actually achieve but that's what we do talk about all the time and that's what we're trying to basically do with the with the company and like it all boils down to, as you say, like the team getting the right people in. Uh, and in your opinion, like what are the most important qualities to look for in like a potential hire? And how have like Jobelon and how should other organizations effectively assess that? That's a great question. I think it depends on where you are, what stage you're in and, and you know what, what you need. In the early days, if you're a bootstrapped company, like, like we've always been, you can't afford hiring super senior talents, even if you want to. And you kind of need these super ambitious, hungry, driven young people that are just like, yeah, that, that love the chaos of a startup and they want to be part of building something. I personally love that kind of segment of hires uh, because there's also such a gratification when you see these people develop and take more initiative and, and take their responsibility as you grow. Uh, but then I think as you you know start building a, more of a business, the flip side of it is that one of the best things ever is to hire people that are way smarter than yourself because they can do what you've been trying to do uh, all over the place, but they do it just way, way better. So I guess a little bit of a fluky answer in that sense, but I think that highly depends on where you are, uh, what stage you're in. 
And I mean, if I'm going to translate the flukiness, it sounds like look, that you're looking for, I mean, potential, but more specifically, absolutely, like grit, uh, smartness, people that can adapt <laughs> based on what gets thrown at them. And just, I have such a fantastic story actually from Jobelon, where I know one of your employees that's been with you for a long time started in customer success mm. and is now a product manager. Yeah, we have we have a number of those. Uh, so that's one. Uh, we also have, I usually talk about this story, my colleague Karin, she is today in the management team and, and kind of heading people and culture. She started as a customer success manager in, in Jobalon after years of talent acquisition. We had this idea that a CSM in Jobalon should know the space and so they can teach our customers. And we, we quickly learned that you know, our customers, they have that knowledge in, in-house. Whether right or wrong, they, they have a plan for it. And being a CSM was also not Karin's thing, but I'm super glad that like, we have this culture that she once told me that you know, I'm not happy with the role. So I'm thinking about going back to TA and that's what I really love. And we were at a stage that, hang on, we're going to hire quite a lot. So why don't you take that opportunity? So she went into a TA role and from there to head of people and culture and now within the leadership team. So I, I love those kind of like, first, I, I think you need to create a super transparent culture where people feel safe that they are like, hey, I'm not happy. Can you help me find something else? And I might actually help them find another job. It's naive to think that everyone would be here forever. So I think the culture and the transparency is super key. Uh, but also being open from an employer perspective to bet on potential, exactly as you say. And potential is, doesn't mean that you're junior. I think you could hire a super experienced person, but still bet on potential and grit instead of just experience. I think that's a very good distinction that it's not just about that you have to be junior to have, be a potential hire. Uh, you can have both. And I think like in the space and time and like where we're at as a world I think I've always preached that you should hire for potential but I think it's it comes to this shift now where the predictability is impossible I mean we have no idea what will happen for like so many roles probably all the roles that we have in our organizations and then hiring for experience I mean the experience will be outdated tomorrow or even this afternoon so i think it's it's only getting more and more important yeah i fully agree with that the uncertainty that lies in the future in the, today's world like you need people that are willing and love to adapt based on the situation all the time uh, so you can't do what you've always been doing uh, so i completely agree and i mean this people and culture perspective obviously there's so much to say uh, around like once you are hired and i mean you've already mentioned one critical aspect where you need to have that like transparency and like honest conversation always ongoing but let's put on the like hiring glasses and let's start from from the beginning of the process where you want to like attract candidates create a good like experience in the in the process how can you use your own culture already in the candidate experience and already in the attraction phase? Well, I think um, you can definitely use it and you can, I think you can use it in every step of the the recruitment process, everything from, you know, the job ad up until every interaction you have with hiring managers or recruiters or HR along the process. I think it's about kind of showing, at least in our world, showing the kind of true view of Jobalon and a genuine, like, this is how it is to work here. 
the idea is not that you're going to win over everyone. That's not the point. The point is to find those that should actually be here. So I think it's everything about how you write your job ad, how your job ad looks, how you communicate with your candidates throughout the process, how you feedback the ones you're going to reject, how you onboard the candidates, how you, you know, take care of them. So it's uh, it's like taking care of a customer, right? Or anyone for, for that matter. And uh, I think we do quite little when it comes to those things. If you, if you generally look at the market, I think we all agree that candidate experience is very important, but we still see job ads that are just a list of requirements and doesn't say anything about why you should work for the company. I've always found it funny that the word job ad comes from advertisement, but the job ad does nothing to advertise the role or the company. So that's how we actually ended up in job on the whole thing. Like the job ads hasn't changed in 150 years. It's gone from offline to online, but we still use these plain text ads that really doesn't do anything in terms of selling the position or the employer to, to the candidate. And can you be like specific? So if someone listening now feels this is my organization having this like personal, boring, but maybe correct job ads, how do you go about changing it so that you use it as a like advertisement? Yeah. So I think the way we we do, for example, in, in our ATS, we treat the job ad as a landing page. So if you think about it, the job ad is probably the first thing and the last thing a lot of people will see. Not everyone goes through your, your career page, not everyone will get the opportunity to meet you. So you have one shot, and that's usually that advertisement, which is your job ad. So what we try and do is to embed within the job ad, not only the, the information about the job, but testimonials from future colleagues, our culture, our perks, videos, all of the things that you already have on your career page, all of the things that you already talk about during that first interview, we want to lift that in into the ad. So the ad becomes more about why you should work for us and why you should send in your application. And I, I think this is so important to kind of set the right tone. Same thing with, I guess, buyer's journey for, for any um product is like you want to advertise and you want to sell it, but you don't want to oversell it because then you won't have like returning customers. How do you make sure that you don't sell something shiny and fantastic and then reality hits you? Mm, that's a great question. I mean, I personally believe that when you do content in terms of recruitment, employer branding, if it's testimonials, videos, and, and so on, I think you win so much more by keeping things very down to earth. I mean, for example, rather filming with an iPhone than getting in a production agency doing an employer branding video. And maybe that's not the best example, but showing the real workday at the company, showing real people with testing their testimonials and trying, if you have that transparent culture internally, how do you kind of expose that externally as well? So, so I think the way to not make it Chinese to just make it true in that sense. And if you're true, day is shiny, well, then that's definitely what you should also show in, in your content. So I guess it's also about understanding your own situation. What are the pros and cons? Not just about creating content that is going to sound great, but you need to base it, yeah, base it on reality. Definitely. Okay. So, what's your best tricks in your attraction phase for Jobalon when you have to hire for Jobalon? Well. First of all, I think you want to work with people that really know how to run these processes. This is like 
it's like running a sales process or it's like developing something like you can't do that without an engineer you can't do that with someone with that works with sales i think we do this some this mistake often uh, i did it myself you know like hiring you know how hard can it be in the early days you just meet someone and you sell in the vision da, da, da. and i think there is an aspect to that that's important but for example when karin joined she completely changed our process you know what are we what are you doing what are we doing this is how we should be run this is the structured process this is why we do it etc and it created so much value. So I think one, work with a team that really knows what they're doing and that they're passionate about this topic. But it's not that team's job only to recruit. So involve everyone and you know the, the whole company. So involve the founder, the management team, the people, the candidates, future team. So I think that's another part of the, of the success. We try and really, we might have sometimes lengthy processes. And we make it very clear that it's it's often also for the candidate's sake to meet a lot of people in the company to give them a view of this is how your day could look like. So, you know, combining having a talented team that knows how to run these processes, but also ensuring that you are involving the company and using your employees as ambassadors within the process as well. You know what feels kind of fresh here? It's the focus on quality of the process rather than just speed i mean obviously we never want to waste anyone's time like neither the hiring team the organization or the candidates of course but it's also about i think there's sometimes an obsession with just like time to fill time to hire that you forget aspects that will come by and bite you into tushy later on if you haven't you know gone through some of those steps yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think part of it is that I, I feel like a lot of companies, you want to be data driven because you want to be data driven. And then the core KPIs that always come up will be things like time to hire, time to fill, etc. But I think you also need to work with people and maybe a partner or a vendor that challenges you. Like, why do you need to know time to hire? Is that the main problem? Uh, or, or, you know, the people you hire, are they staying with you after a year? If not, then then I think time to hire might be the issue. Maybe we need to make it longer so we actually spend quality on it. So I think definitely we sometimes drive, we track metrics, uh, but we do it for the, for the wrong reasons. So, so there's definitely room for kind of including more quality in, in those process. But then I also feel for other companies, I think it's sometimes easier to be a company in our size, 50 people, and, you know, you have a long-term commitment and for the right person you're willing to wait because it's going to have some impact but then you have other customers that are literally receiving thousands of applications on a on a weekly basis so i understand that also that okay how do you ensure quality in that process but that's where i think you need to work with vendors technology partners that can really eliminate that unnecessary admin in your workday so you can actually focus on the quality and and where it matters I agree with most of what you're saying. Like, I think going back to the discussion on candidate traction, like you need to know, you need to know your own situation. So just like when it comes to hiring, you need to know, like, do I have a screening problem or a sourcing problem? Mm. Like, you need to know, like, what is it that I'm working for? I mean, as a like a good talent acquisition and like any like recruiter will be fluent in, you know, company strategy, what are you optimizing for, et cetera, et cetera. But then... What I would like to challenge is this, like companies our size, which is like, you know, 70-ish employees, have the time to wait for the right candidate. I would argue that more organizations should dare to wait for the right candidate. I agree. I think part of it is also like a mindset. You've been doing the same thing 
as, as you've always been doing. I can, I can kind of fit because we always, you know, we primarily work with enterprise customers. So I can also see that we can be in a meeting and tell them something like that, but it's so far off from the way they've been working. So it's, it's kind of like a change behavioral process and you're trying to change the DNA and the culture of the, of the company. So I agree, but it's hard to know actually how I think it would be easier if a person like you would join that type of company because then you would drive that change. But if you need someone, I think, driving the change, at least, that's the challenge. But it's a tricky one. I agree that, that the processes and the recruitment world would be way better if everyone would think like that, for sure. They might also like haunt me or hunt me with torches if I joined. We, we don't know. We don't know, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think one, one core challenge I see and a problem I see is that we, everyone, and it's not only recruiters maybe, uh, or definitely not only recruiters, is that we're always trying to kind of like, we're a bit too short term. Uh, so you always have to fix that hire yesterday and you have to do this now and, da, 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 and now we're opening this uh, store or this factory and we need to hire da, da, da. And that's fine. That's always going to happen. You need to fix those urgent problems. But I think daring to think maybe long term, where do we want to be in one year, three years, five years, and then working towards that. I think those are the decisions that one needs to take in order to see those changes because it's not going to happen over a day. But that's my kind of belief in that sense. I have zero data behind that. No, no, but I mean, you're allowed to think stuff here. And uh, I think the same. So, uh, you know, two against no one, because no one else can actually now comment on what was just said. Exactly. So we're right. <laughs> that is the conclusion that I will draw from this. Okay, continue on the topic of uh, like candidate experience and, and this uh, selling your culture journey. Uh, how does that feed into like the candidate communication? Yeah, uh, I think communication is probably the the aspect we often drop the ball on and that's where we hurt the candidate experience because it's also where you spend as a candidate the most time i mean sure application process can be good or bad but it's you, you apply and you're done i think what happens after that is is key and this is for the majority of candidates because per definition they won't get the job so i think treating your candidates as customers right you never know if they in fact will be a customer one day or if they will be your manager or if they will be a future colleague and making sure, I think everyone is looking for honest feedback and, and quick feedback as soon as possible. And really kind of incorporating that in your process and measuring that as well to make sure that you are following up on your on your KPIs, I think is key. I think we're too used to the select 200 reject because it's a handy feature, but trying to think a little bit more like, what am I sending them? Why? At what time? Etc. And there are tools that that can help you with that. It doesn't mean that you need to write a rejection email one by one for, for every single candidate. There are automations, there are functionalities in many software tools that will help you do that. But I think it needs to be aware of that issue. So you actually incorporate that in your process from day one. I had a discussion just last week with a head of TA for like a large organization where they have a very distributed ownership of their hiring. Mm -hmm. meaning they have a super slim TA function and it's on like the hiring managers to, to like own hiring. So they just like provide the tools that the hiring manager pretty much run the process. And we, we discussed like candidate experience and uh, he kind of boldly said like, yeah, we can't control it. And honestly, does it matter? We know it's not great, but hey, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. I mean, because now it feels like everyone's talking about candidate experience has been doing that for like a few years now. 
what, like how important is it is my first question. And what do you miss if you don't focus on it? Yeah, I, I think it's more important than you think. It's not like, it's not the end of the world. Your company is not going to go bankrupt if you have crappy candidate experience. That's also one, one part of it. But I think you're missing a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of lost opportunities if you don't focus on your candidate experience. And these could be candidates that is in your pipeline that you're missing. The, p- the person you're looking for is waiting there, but you're missing them. You're missing the ripple effects of a good candidate experience. If the majority of people that are rejected by you as a company, if they would talk good about you, the referral effect that has is huge. So I think there's a lot of lost opportunities. I think even with a poor candidate experience, you will, of course, hire end of the day, but you're just making things a bit more harder for yourself. And I think that's what I mean with the short, short-term versus long-term thinking. If you're short-term, then, then you're going to keep on doing that. But if you dare to be a bit long-term and you measure these things and, you, and you're open to it, then I think in the long-term, you, you'll win so much more uh, from it. I think that's a good answer. So it also boils down to if you have a like weak talent funnel where you're, well, technically where you have like a sourcing problem, one way to like long-term fix that is through candidate experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you work properly with candidate experience, you can reuse your existing database in a completely different way. Every time you're looking for a new position, instead of hiring new and fresh, you know, applications in that sense, you have a pool of candidates that have a good experience from you for then for some reason, they, they weren't a good fit for the job or the timing wasn't right, but they're still interested. So you can kind of reuse that database along the process. So everything becomes easier. And again, it's kind of like, um, I mean, you know way more about recruiting and TA than I do. So I, I always think about like things like sales. Like if I would treat prospects crappy, like how would that, that wouldn't work. Like it's unheard of. You, you would never do that. And I think that mentality needs to be the same with recruitment. And I really like that analogy. Just like you, uh, I mean, I often talk about how you wouldn't plan your marketing spend based on gut feeling, mm. uh, but we still allow hiring to be done via gut feeling. I mean, I think this is a great example too. Like you wouldn't treat your your sales prospect like crap, but it's somewhat okay to treat candidates in a hiring process like crap. And uh, I think those days are over, folks. Yeah. I also think that the, the, the processes where you and me feel that the candidates are not getting a good experience, I'm pretty sure that the ones running that process don't see it that way. I think that's the core problem. Like they believe like them, but this is how you do it. They get quick feedback and they're they out, et cetera. So I think it's like the core needs to change in some way. And you can't just talk about candidate experience because it's a good thing to talk about and mention in your job, but you tre- truly need to live and you know feel that behavior. Exactly. Better to under-promise and over-deliver than the other way around. Absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, we know that the current job market is competitive. There are a lot of organizations struggling to find talent. What advice would you give employers to like stand out and attract great talent? So I think it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about, like focus on the why. Why should someone join you instead of like, who are you looking for? What skills are you looking for? for? That's just a necessity in that sense. I think we can focus way more on the why because that's when the genuine kind of side uh, comes out. And I think with the why comes your highlighting your culture, highlighting your employer brand, whatever we call that, and you know, giving candidates a genuine view of how it is to work for you. And I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier that 
I believe that every single human being wants to feel relevant. They just, they want to feel that they have impact and show them how will they have impact. It doesn't matter if you're 10,000 employees or 10, you can always have impact and you can always be relevant. And I think that needs to be a much more of a focus area. So that's one thing. I would say the second thing, having a streamlined proper process, again, candidate experience in terms of making it clear that you are valuing candidates' time and effort along the process to, to make sure that they are appreciated along the process. So that's the, the other side of it. And the third one is also what we were talking about before is like involving the whole company. TA and HR are not the only ones responsible for you know promoting your brand or opportunities. You need to get everyone on board. So I think a combination of those things, still a competitive market and you know hiring great people is always going to be hard. So so that's just something we need to accept. But then these are I think some of the things we can do to mitigate that basically. And I guess also just iterating on what we said earlier and like knowing what type of talent, like why should they come to, to you, but also knowing what type of talent you are hiring for based on like the assignment that your organization or the mission your organization is on, uh, giving like the example that you gave on like hiring for potential, because things will change as long as we have the right people, we can adapt to that change compared to other organizations where it's probably like it's more static maybe you can you know optimize for more like specialized talents in those situations etc etc et so i guess um, yeah going back to what is it that you want to accomplish and i think also like being very honest about where you are in your journey so i think in the early days and still today sometimes less today but in the early days we would always say that you know we don't have any career paths like when you work as a csm we don't have this like in two years, you should be here and then in four years, you should be here. I think it's really good to have that. And now we have the ambition to create create those career paths. But in the beginning, we didn't. So we, we were saying that, you know, you can be anything you want, literally, but it's up to you. But it's also up to us to create that that culture and that environment. And some will be concerned about that, which is completely fine. And others, we will love that. And those are the people we were talking about before that that have just completely switched roles and careers and, you know, ended up doing other things. And today we're at a stage where we try to kind of define these paths a little bit more because that's also important. So just being very true in terms of where are you in your journey and what can you expect, I think, is the, is the best thing you can do. And for me, this kind of goes back to the sales analogy, because the majority of salespeople will agree that like the spray and pray method isn't awesome, but rather like defining who are we selling to, who is this product or service like suitable for, who would love it, uh, and really like find those people. I think sometimes we need to keep that in mind when it comes to like attraction of candidates. It's so easy to just like we need volumes uh, and it sounds fantastic to be like a Spotify with a thousand applicants because they're super cool. But at the end of the day, you only need to have one good application to hire one good person. Absolutely. And it's probably more interesting to tailor your message, to tailor your process and like find those relevant candidates rather than just like, yes, we have a ton of them. Yeah, 100%. And actually, one thing that I thought of, maybe we have that in the in the TA world, because that's not my domain in that sense. But I was thinking like in sales, you talk about your ICP, your ideal customer profile, we should be talking about your ideal candidate profile in the same way. So I mean, as you say, the best case scenario is getting few candidates, but they're all relevant. That's the ideal, you know, situation for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Candidate persona would be the concept. Of course, candidate persona. 
Okay. What would you say are like some of the common mistakes that companies make when it comes to candidate experience and selling their culture? I think the main one is, you know, again, I look at like the segment we work within. I think it's very different from being a startup versus being a larger enterprise. They all have their challenges and no no one will be perfect. We work primarily with larger uh, companies. I think the main challenge I see is the short-term thinking versus long-term. You're always in a rush. You have to kind of hire the person you needed last week. And as human beings, we're all just too busy and we will drop things along the way. And generally what we drop is the candidate feedback and the, and the kind of the genuineness in that feedback and the frequency in that feedback and, and you know all of that. I think that's probably the, I would say, the main problem we see or the common mistakes. Some mistakes are also connected to what vendors and tools you're using. Sometimes as a company, you do want to do things differently, but you're stuck in a legacy tool that you've been using for the past 10 years and you can't change that. So that, that's, a, that's a different thing, but that behavior changes and drives you to to kind of change your tech stack and so on. So partly it's that, but the other part I think is just that we're too short term and always too busy, and then we drop things. And what the main thing we drop is the candidate feedback along the process. And how can one ensure that it isn't that ball isn't dropped as often? That's a good question. I think I think you need at least one that really cares about this topic that drives that that behavior internally. If you don't have that, that's never going to change. So you definitely need that person. If you don't have that person and you're aware of this problem, you would need to hire that that individual in, in that sense. And I think if you, it, it starts there, if you have that person then and that team, that change will come with that team, whether that means replacing your ATS or hiring more people or changing the way you recruit, but it starts again from people and you need to have the right people on board. To me, that sounds like, like the accountability, either outspoken or just individually taken on uh, is super important. Uh, and I guess I could also add just starting to measure it or have like targets for it. We have like quite clear accountability that candidate experience is on the recruiter. They won't be able to impact all of it, but it's on like they are measured on it. So they, it's on them, meaning they can impact the hiring manager to do better. I heard a super interesting um, from uh, like core facility service. They have uh, like are super into ensuring like uh, diversity and inclusion is like part of their DNA, and they are now like all like managers are being measured on it, and it's actually also part of how like they set salaries. So it's not just based on your results, uh, but actually on the metrics that they have, so that you not only put up a metric and not care about it, but do it in like, how do we link that to incentives, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah. I think also another thing we were talking about mistakes, at least this is something I know we do definitely. I mean, uh, everyone does these mistakes. One is that you need to be a bit more clear, I think, in the early process, like what are you hiring? What are the competences? Who are we hiring? Why are we hiring? What's the salary? It kind of goes back to the thing that we're rushed and we just want to do things quickly. But I, I see this also with, with Job Alone. We, we, you know, we run and then we meet candidates and then our perception or, or our view of this candidate or the profile we're looking for changes along the way. And that's just like, you know, we are wasting candidates' times. And this could be my fault or someone else because we're like, go, 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 go. But I think just taking a step back and sit down with all relevant parties, like who do we need? Why do we need the person? 
And what are we going to pay? What can we afford? So it's very clear. And then we continue. That's also something probably happens more in smaller companies because they don't have that experience is my guess. But that's another mistake I see. And I mean, I guess it's it's human because I, I can really relate to it. And in the sense that you decide on something and then all of a sudden when you start meeting candidates, like your expectations increase because you meet fantastic candidates and it's like, oh, maybe we can get something even better. And it's about that, uh, again, like locking what you're looking for and keep coming back to that because if it changed over time, well, I mean, sometimes that change is good. And then let's just decide that we are looking for something else or let's just link back to this is what we said. If this is so correct, then we don't, we shouldn't go out looking for the Holy Grail. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I I think we have like touched upon it a little bit, but would love just given that you work with like wide set of organizations, especially like with these like bigger organizations where the hiring process and the way that they go about hiring is often like really tailored, would be super interesting to just talk a little bit about hiring analytics. Because I know like you and me have discussed this before, how uh, how JobAlone um, offers a lot of tailoring because different organizations measure different things. In your, if we just start up, like what matters and why when it comes to hiring analytics, in your opinion? I think the main thing that matters is the willingness to be data-driven to begin with. I would say it's hard to have one KPI that matters for everyone. Again, it's like sales or anything else. It depends on what, what your challenges are. I think what we see is that every single customer, they want to be data-driven. So I think that's great. And it's becoming more and more. But not everyone knows what they want to measure. And then the second, the, the next layer of that is not everyone knows what do I do with this? Is it good? Is it bad? How do I benchmark it? One of the problems we also see is that because we work primarily with larger customers, they come from other tools that that might be more traditional kind of legacy tools, and they don't have any data. So there's nothing to compare it to when they move over to, to job loan. So what we try and do is to, you know, if they have a thesis or anything, we try and set up custom dashboards and, you know, the KPIs they're looking for. But then I think it's a difference between reporting and insights. One one thing is what they need to report on, sometimes to management, or they are, they are being measured on something because they have targets, etc. What we try and do is that every quarter we sit down with our customers, and then from our end, we analyze their data and their metrics and their bottlenecks, etc., in order to recommend them. So we saw this pattern. Uh, we, we recommend you guys to work differently for this quarter so we can change this KPI. So I think that's the exciting part of it when you try and like use data in order to understand patterns and improve. But it's also confusing because it's almost easier from a sales perspective to say, this is our dashboard. These are the KPIs. You need to be really good at time to hire. But I don't think that would be the true way of talking about data in, in that sense. I love the differentiation between reporting and, and insight. So if we just start in the reporting bucket, what are like the most common ones that you see organizations using when it comes to like reporting? Yeah, the common right or wrong, the common ones we hear about is everything from time to hire, it's uh, top sources, drop-off rates, cost of hire, which is harder because you need to get in like so many elements into it. But it's also classical, you know, number of jobs open last, that kind of thing. I would say those are the ones that are always in every single kind of requirements list. That's how you start the, the classic KPIs. And then when it comes to like the insights, what would you say, what are some of the, the top insight-driven uh, aspects that you should look for? 
the hard thing with the insights is that they are so different for, for different customers and you need to analyze the data and dig deep to understand them. But they're super interesting. And for me, it's like actionable insights. So it's an insight that drives some action. And it could be very simple things. It could be that we had one customer that have been using a certain job board for years and they've always been doing it because that's what they've been doing. And the, the job board creates a lot of traffic and applications to them. But then by looking at the data, we could see that literally zero people are being hired. So you are actually paying to get admin in that sense or you know, however we want to call it. If you zone in on that, another insight could be that, you know, a certain stage in the process is taking too long time. It's a bottleneck. Why is that? So I think the why is important. Is it because is it the hiring managers? Is the stage not being used? Is it an integration kind of fault? So we, we try and find these patterns and then understand them, but also challenge customers in terms of like, what can we do differently? And how do we improve that metric and then follow up on that, for example, next quarter? Maybe this is a hard question, um, but what patterns and like the differences do you see based on like maybe company size or industry are there those like well if it's like this type of organization they usually do this and if it's this type of organization they usually do that that's a great question i would say it's uh one is the size of the company or not size i would say with size comes generally volume so with volume recruitments you definitely see some patterns and insights so like you know your uh, you're not your rejection communicated rate. Like, are you actually communicating rejections to everyone, or are you just like moving them? That's one thing we see with like bigger volumes. We also see a lot of unnecessary bottlenecks that candidates are get stuck in different stages of the of the process. With smaller recruitments or smaller teams, I think you see different issues. Then it's more about getting the traffic in. Are we getting the right? traffic to the job ad, like how many people are converting to our to our ads, and how many are coming back to our career page and so on. So it's definitely different challenges depending on where you are. Another big thing I think that also drives these metrics is if you're a company where you're very TA driven and you know talent acquisition and recruiters are running the process, or if you're a company where you empower the hiring managers, so you let them do everything. And I love that ideal world where the hiring managers will run everything based on, on a framework created by, by a TA team. But you definitely see other challenges there too. To be sure, I think that's a hot potato on like, how do you, I don't know, enable your hiring managers? How do you ensure quality of the process and how, like, where should accountability and responsibility lie? I think that's a super interesting to just hear how different organizations are like solving for that and how, how, how different it is and how like the wins with some approaches and the lead lose something and you win something with, regardless of what you, what you say. Yeah. And it's so interesting with that because you can see companies that are from the same industry, the same size, and they are, they are going the opposite direction. So no one knows literally like what's the right way to do it. They all have their thesis. I think the key here is to really like empower hiring managers, but within a framework set by talent acquisition in that sense. So you can't do anything you want. You can't write the job at exactly how you want. There are certain templates you need to follow. There are certain processes you need to follow, uh, but you do the job itself based on those guidelines. Speaking of hiring managers, I mean, we talked before a little bit about like there's this traditional old way of hiring, then there's like the new more modern and often more useful uh, approach when you run into hiring managers that are like skeptical of new approaches how can you like address these concerns how can you win over hiring managers what's your take that's a great question i think if we take a step back so what we do is that 
we don't sell to the hiring manager, right? So we sell to HR or TA or, you know, so, so we need to win them over to get in our product. And they are generally not skeptical because they are the ones driving the, the process. So, so that, that's, that's not a challenge there. But then, of course, hiring managers might be skeptical. You know, it could be a larger company where HR has always been doing that. And now they want them to, to start doing it. So I think we are very respectful to that. There is, you're used to a way of working. You have to, you have to respect that. So you can't just come in and say, you know, you guys are doing things wrong. Our job is to really prove that this way of working will actually save them time. And it's so easy. And, and, you know, so what we try and do is, for example, have a webinar for all web uh, for our hiring managers in the early days when they, when they just go live. And the purpose of that webinar is not to train them in, in the product because you should not need training in order to, to understand this tool. The purpose is to create the feeling that, oh, this was super easy. Can I get access, please? If you can create that feeling and it's a process, then then you start seeing this change across the company, and that's super cool. And we see that sometimes from uh, for you know with different customers where they completely changed the way of recruiting before hiring managers didn't do anything. Today they do almost everything, but they are happy or happier because they don't need to email someone and wait for something. They can just go in and do it based on those kind of that framework that has been set up. So I think that's one thing. The other thing is also, I think you have a great opportunity when you buy in on new software, whatever that software is, to challenge the mindset of the TA team also. Like, hey, let's, why not try this thing? Or, you know, if let's try video applications, if that makes sense. So let's do assessments or let's do, let's remove the CV. And, you know, the first thing is like, oh, no, but hang on, that doesn't make sense. We've always had the CV. And, and we just try and simplify that in terms of like, let's just try it. If it doesn't work, we'll just turn it off or turn it back on, you know, tomorrow. And that's also exciting when you get to challenge them a little bit and try different things. And sometimes they work and that's awesome. And sometimes they don't, then you just take it back. So I think just like also making it a little bit simple that it's it, the consequences are that big. If it doesn't work, we can just change. Yeah. So linking it to like the value that they will get out of it, making it really, really easy being open to like it's a trial and error thing and then i was gonna say one more thing that i now forgot so let's scrap that um (laughs) okay we i think for like wrapping up this great conversation just like on a personal note i guess like what's your after 12 years with joe belong running around in the recruitment industry biggest lessons that has shaped the company it's a good question. The answers generally are very cliche on these questions, but they're also true. So I think, again, it depends on what type of company you want to build and what journey you're in and so on. For me, the biggest lesson in a way is definitely that, you know, people is everything. So hiring the people that you want to work with that have the same mindset as you doesn't mean that they're the same as you. They should challenge you, but have if we have a long-term mindset, the ones we hire should have a long-term mindset. If uh, transparency and culture is important for me, it should be important for the people we, we we hire in that sense. So I think having a solid team, if there's anything I'm by far proud of, most of everything we've done, it's the team we have today. So I think that's my biggest takeaway. Other things would be definitely like be bold and take risks. Like what what's the worst thing that can happen? I always talk about that. Even today, like you can sign a very big contract with a customer and they have these huge like liability clauses and you might get bankrupt if things happen. Then again, like, or we just sign it and let's see what happens if we can create a value. So I think being a little bit bold, but then again, I also, I'm also very thankful having 
other people in the team that are more like, no, 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 you, you got to mitigate that, that risk. Um, and I think just be prepared to like fail a lot of times and, and have stamina and the grits because we've definitely failed more times than we've succeeded. But I think the success has been way bigger than the failures together. And I think that comes with the risk part as well. As, as you iterate and fail and you learn, you realize that it's not a big deal to take risks in that sense. So yeah, those would be my learnings. I think those are epic learnings right after this. I think I'm going to go hug some teammates and <laughs> take some risks. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining How We Hire Arif. It's been an absolute pleasure. And fun fact, my first ever podcast appearance was on Jobilon's podcast. It was. It was. So I remember Full that. circle. Full circle. Yes. No more podcasts after this. Now it's all done. <laughs> it's like, we're done. <laughs> exactly. No, but thank you for having me. It was a fun chat and, and this time just flew by. It did. Thank you so much. And hope to, for those of you listening, uh, connect with RF on LinkedIn or just, uh, you know, find him on the street. That was about to say. But I hope you will listen in on uh, another episode in two weeks. Thank you for listening. Bye.